Welcome to episode 38 of Control the Controllables and to part three of our Mental Health Awareness Week. Today's podcast is Liam Brody. Liam um, came to our screens many years ago, actually, as a top top British junior, winning winning Grand Slams, you know, and, and, and really being the next kind of British hope. Um, he's gone on and he's had a successful career. You know, he's been as high as 150 ATP. He's played Andy Murray, <laughs> centre court Wimbledon, Miles Raonic, court one at Wimbledon, um, and he continues to be doing very well. But maybe it wasn't quite enough for what he expected, maybe what other people expected of him. And, and at times like that, you need the special people in your life. And as you'll hear from Liam, there were certain parts of his life that started to fall apart, which then had a detrimental effect on his mental health and then a detrimental effect on on his career. Listen to how he managed to recognise that and build himself back up uh, with some great people around him. Um, I love speaking to Liam. We go a long way back and I think he's such a fun, articulate young man um, and, and I, I have been close to his difficult times and I'm so pleased to hear him talking about and sharing his experiences and I know you guys will take a lot from it. So over to Liam Brody. So, so Liam Brody, welcome back to the show. Thanks Dan, thanks. The, the, the first person to be on twice. Um, yeah, man, I'm breaking all the records. <laughs> uh, and, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you your introduction because it's what we do. Um, Liam Brody, ATP tennis player, um, current 211 in the world and, and been as high as 154. You know, well known on our screens for lots of success that he had as a junior in Junior Grand Slams, but also some massive matches he's played at Wimbledon and He's, he's been a credit to the sport over the years. So Broads, we, as, as you know, you know with, the, with the platform, you know, we're looking at this week as Mental Health Awareness Week. Um, you know, thank you for coming on. To start with, I'd love you to share, share your story, really, on it. Yeah, um, I mean, where, where to start, really? I mean, obviously, you know, it, it's been a long journey. You know, um, I guess in, in juniors, you know, obviously... You know, you were obviously a witness to a lot of this. You know, I had quite a um, turbulent relationship with my dad. Um, you know, I won't go into all of the details, but we end up having a bit of a fallout. Um, and then the age of 18, obviously, moved down to London. Um, actually, was living with my girl- girlfriend at the time's family, um, which was then, you know, pr- pr- pretty tough for me because, you know, obviously being out of contact with my family, not really feeling like I could go back and speak speak to my family um, and having been, you know, a very sort of family-orientated person for my whole life. Um, so that was quite a, a um, an evolution in a sense, at quite an important time in a kid's life, I think, as well. Yeah. Um, and then sort of trained down in London for a few years, um, you know, struggling with results here and there, not pushing on as much as I, I would have liked to or was expected to. Um, and then I'm trying to remember how it went after that. I mean, then I kind of moved around a bit. I trained out of Nottingham, trained in Manchester, you know, at one point didn't have a coach, was kind of just traveling on my own, Yeah. Um, which, you know, and, and I'd like, well, 
not I like I'd like to think, but I'd say I'm probably quite a chaotic person in in uh, naturally, um, and that kind of all came to a head a few years back and uh, kind of did a mental sort of look around in my life and I was like, you know, this isn't where I want to be. I've not got the people around me that I want to be around me. Yeah. Um, I need to start laying some foundations, you know, and, and I, I can't even remember who it was that told me, but they kind of said, you know, you, to build a, a, a tall house, you, you need to lay strong foundations. And I, and I kind of just had all this instability in my life and, and just nothing that was positive. And it's, you know, it, it took me a few years to sort of start getting out of that place I was in. Yeah. And how dark, how dark was that place that you were in? Yeah, I mean, you know, that the tough thing for me was that as a kid, I mean, I had one, I, I must have been one of the happiest kids growing up. I mean, aside from, you know, the, my relationship with tennis, I mean, off the court, I can never remember being sad off, off yeah. the tennis court. Um, and, and you know, I, I ended up going some pretty dark places, but mainly around, you know, sort of loneliness and... and you know how it is on the tour, um, and you know not not having not being like you have a family member there. You don't have yeah. your other half there, um, because you know I, I was obviously single at the time, um, and just just some really difficult stuff, man, and and, and just thoughts that and not I call them naughty noises um, bouncing around in your head, yeah. um, and just kind of realizing that you know as as an adult, you, you know sometimes you're not going to be happy all the time. Um, and having to learn how to sort of deal with those sorts of feelings. Yeah, and just two things to pick up on, Broads. One, you use the word expectation, and, and I, yeah. I think that you were, you, Liam Brody was a household name and is a household name, in yeah. my opinion, and certainly in the tennis world. And yeah. you, you had so much success in the, all the junior ages, won so much. Yeah. Do you, do you feel... Did you feel that you were letting people down? Do you feel that you weren't hitting hitting the the heights that you were expected to? And what did that then bring bring onto your shoulders? Yeah. Um, I mean, you, you know, I, th I think that was a massive part of it, you know. And and um, I had a, a massive complex about, um, you know, having been so good when I was younger, and then feeling like I wasn't fulfilling my potential. It wasn't. I mean. I, it wasn't so much the expectations. I've never really felt the expectancy of people. It's more what I feel that I do, my, my talent deserves for myself, you know? Um, and then not sort of succeeding in the tennis world and then things falling apart in your personal life at the same time. And I think they're both intrinsically linked, you know? Like, I think um, a couple of the greats, you know, like Djokovic and, and Nadal, I think things were rumoured to have been going on off the court when when their form on the court was failing. Um, and, I, and, I th and I think they're both obviously closely tied together. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you've got, your, you've got your professional life, you've got your personal life, and you've got your family life as probably three big pillars. And yeah. I think if, if two of them are in order, we tend yeah. to be okay. But you maybe felt that you had a couple of those big pillars falling at a similar time. Yeah, and and then it leaves us feeling feeling very exposed. So what so what did you do about it when you started to feel like you you yeah. weren't on the road that you wanted to be mentally? Yeah. So I mean, I, I I probably spent I mean obviously as, as a kid as well, you know, I I spent a couple of years um, acting out, um, maybe drinking more than I should do, you know, with with my mates back home, 
um, which is pretty detrimental to your tennis. Um, you know, ju ju just kind of, kind of, kind of self-destructing a little bit because I was I was struggling and I was and I was hurting, um, and I didn't really know how to deal with it. So I'd I'd hurt myself, I'd hurt other people, um, and it like I said, it got to the stage. I I'll never forget. I was in Hong Kong. Um, taking a few days off with the tennis and that you know that that was the end of the year and then I went to India and bombed out to two qualifying matches in a row and it was a horrific end but I remember being in India and and you know and this was when I was like I was like Jesus you know there, there's there's no you know I feel so 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 bad and and there's no one for me to talk to yeah um, and, and that that was the first time in my life that I was like I was kind of like Jesus, you know, because I've always felt like I'm quite independent. And I don't need anyone there, you know, and I'm quite a stubborn person and, and, you know, I can do this myself. And I was like, geez, this is, this is scary. Like I'm not feeling good and I need someone to talk to and there's no one there. Um, and then I just kind of decided, I'm, you know, I, I need to begin this process of building up this support network and this foundation and, and, and getting back on the right track. Very good. So what would you say to... Piers Morgan, let's imagine he's interviewing you right now. You know, I don't yeah. claim to, to be Piers Morgan or want to be Piers Morgan, but he's interviewing you and he, he turns around and he calls you a snowflake. Just just crack yeah. on. The modern day world. <laughs> you know what I mean? Just crack just crack yeah. on. You yeah. you you're feeling you're feeling this. That's normal. Just just crack on. Yeah. Just get on with it. What would you say to that? Yeah, I mean I, I, I feel like in in you know, obviously I wasn't alive 30, 40 years ago, so I don't know what it was like growing up back then. Um, but I can speak for my generation now, and I think we are facing things that maybe, you know, there are a lot of positive things about the internet and stuff like that, but there are a lot of uh, unprecedented, like, negativity that we've been exposed to. Um, and, you know, no, you know, that that was, you know, the classic sort of, way that I've been taught is just get on with it you know work through it and all that sort of stuff but it gets to the stage where you, you just don't want to anymore you know you, you, you're tired of it um, you're tired of, of going day after day of just not feeling good um, and you know that at, at the end of the day you know me mental health it, it, it's as important if not more important than physical health yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I, I feel like that there are people who struggle a lot worse than I do with, with, with you know, actual medical health issues. And I, I can't even imagine, to be honest. Um, and I feel like people like, you know, obviously Piers Morgan saying that. I, I, it's just um, not very understanding of people's struggles. And I think sometimes you need, need a bit of compassion in life. No, 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 absolutely. And I think... Your yours is such a it's such a good story, Broads, because you almost caught it in time in some ways, and of like, and it's not to say that you won't have mental health problems again. It's not to say I won't. It's not to say anybody won't, because it's a very yeah, it's a very brittle part of part of us. You know, it doesn't take a yeah. whole lot. You know, somebody I remember someone saying to me, "You're you're two bad decisions." away from your life falling apart everyone is yeah and, and yeah. i think and it's, yeah. it's so true i think i think we all have to live life with that humility and with that awareness that it, anything can hit us at any time and yes we we feel secure yeah, yeah. It, it, we might feel secure now but it won't take much for us not to so so in terms of 
in terms of advice to anybody listening that is, because that's what I want this to be. I want this to be that one, an awareness of it, because I still think there is an old fashioned view across the board that it's just, I just crack on, yeah. <laughs> you know, and I think people like yourself sharing your story, I think goes a long way to really changing that stigma. And the second thing I also yeah. want people to get some valuable advice. So anyone that is feeling like that, what would your advice be? Yeah. Um, I'm, I mean, so, so, I, I had influences in my life, you know, you've met Rick Moylan, um, yeah. you know, Rick's kind of like a, I, I don't know what Rick would be, an older brother or, you know, sort of, you know, he, he's looked out for me. Call, ever, ever call, him call him your granddad, we won't give him, yeah. Yeah, we won't call him an older brother. He's not that old, but we'll call him that, <laughs> um, he'll be fuming at that, um, but you know, he was the first person I called because I've I'd got to the stage where I'd pushed everyone away in my life, and and I, and I said to him like, "Look, I know I've, you know, I know what I've been doing," yeah. um, and you know, and he's been through his own struggles, so he, he was completely understanding. Um, and you know, I got back in touch with Rick, um, and I kind of realised that you know I've been focusing on my technical side, and this is the good thing about sportsmen. I think you can see things pretty logically, oh, yeah. um, and I could see I've been focusing on my my physical gains I've been focusing on my technical games but I've completely neglected the mental side yeah. um, so you know I spoke to Rick and I said Let, let's get you know someone in for the mental side and Rick knew this guy Phil Quirk yeah. um, and he you know he's like a life coach mentor type thing and, and, I, and I saw Phil um, in I think it was December of 2018 and I was you know I was like Jesus is a steep mountain to climb now yeah. um, and you know, and and he he knew. You know, he said, you know, I know what's going on. You know, I can help you out. I can get you out of this. And and we just kind of gradually began the rebuilding process. It it you know, it took a long time to get back to a place where I felt confident in myself. Um, but you know, he he was brilliant. And then actually, at the end of last year, I went on one of Phil's courses in Barcelona. It was like a week long immersive course. Yeah. Um, doing like you know your hypnotherapy, cold water submersion. Yeah. Uh, all your breathing techniques and 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 it was just this, it it was just this fantastic experience and, and at the end of it, you know, um, I, I I was I was crying like a baby on the last day, um, and I reckon I've probably not cried since I was like fourteen years old, yeah. and and it was just uncontrollable sobbing and and everyone in the in the villa went through this experience and I kind of left feeling like a new man. Um, and of course, you know there are times still where I feel a little bit negative. But it's, I mean, there's there's stuff I, I there's stuff I worked on in that villa that that I feel has lifted a weight off my shoulders that I thought would never leave. Um, you know, and and I, I mean, for people who are just looking for little little bits to help themselves, but when they're when they're struggling, I mean, one of the most powerful tools that Phil gave me. Um, which is a really simple one, which was when we first started working together because he wanted to me, wanted me to start changing my mentality and my outlook on life was um, to do the three, three gratitudes in the morning, every morning, wake up, no matter how small it is, write down in your diary, you know, three things you're grateful for. You know, so sometimes it might be, I've woken up and I'm not ill. <laughs> I've woken up and, um, you know, and, and I'm playing today. I've woken up and, and I'm flipping and, my hair looks good you know it could be anything um and that actually at first it was it was a lot of effort for me but, but because i was sort of in quite a, a lethargic state um 
but towards towards the end of it, it it helped massively because I feel like you kind of have to explain it as well so people understand it. It's not it's not like some hokey pokey sort of yeah. <laughs> black magic thing. Yeah. Um, it's basically it's basically so you know when I was a kid, we used to play games in the car where. Um, you know, you see you could spot a yellow car first and all of a sudden yellow cars are popping up everywhere. Whereas, you know, or, or when you go to, or when you decide you want to buy a car, you see that specific car everywhere. Um, and, and the thing that the, the three grateful, the three gratefulness list things does is um, it basically wires your brain to be on the lookout for things that are positive because I think quite often our brains are always looking for the negative. It's just the way human beings are. Uh, Rhodes law of attraction uh, that's yeah that's what it is you know i've i've yeah i've talked about it on probably five of the pro podcasts it's 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 one of my big big beliefs you know and if we, yeah you know i have it with my children and it's a, and i see it i've got three children and they all think different and, and one of them always thinks about what they don't have and yeah one of them always thinks about what they do have and, and already yeah. at the young age is, is, is showing that gratitude. And, and yeah. I really, me and my wife really work hard with our children to, to constantly be talking about the positive things that we have. What are we grateful yeah, yeah, yeah. for? Yeah. Yeah. It might be because we can, you have a jacket potato, you can say, well, I wanted two. you know, you have a, yeah. it, it happens in all forms of life. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that does start at a very early age, you know, and yeah. I certainly see my child who does think in the way of always, always thinking, I don't have that or I don't have this, you know, or comparing, yeah. I can already see that they are going to have to have, are probably going to have more, more mental health battles than maybe the one that has yeah. the different outlook. You know, so that that yeah. ability, that ability to have the, the the that outlook on life, I think, is it's it's amazing advice. The, yeah. the the last thing, actually, Broads, I'd like to like to talk about is almost the flip side. So now, could you spot someone? Because I think this is also an interesting one. If I if I look back to Wimbledon juniors, the two people that were probably the loudest in the changing rooms were Liam Brody and Nick Kyrgios. Yeah, and 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 actually, I, I don't know Nick personally, but I know yeah. he has had some mental health battles himself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, so so you, but the, you two would be almost the last, the last people that we yeah. would say because of yeah. how you are, and you, you're quite loud, quite you know outgoing, you know all of those yeah. things. So, as I guess, just general advice to people around other people in their workplace and their families how do we how do we spot or how do we play a role of supporting someone whether they have mental health problems or not yeah. um, you know I've, I've i've spoken to to nick about the mental health stuff um and you know and, and he he's been through his struggles um you know and, and it, it was kind of interesting to hear because like you say you know we, we were both possibly the loudest people in the locker room um still probably are um but i think sometimes it, it's hard to tell who who's feeling what way because um you know at the end of the day you can put a mask up and if and and the biggest one for me is if somebody doesn't want help they're not gonna let you help them yeah. um but but i mean the, the 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 way that i can kind of sometimes notice now 
it's hard because I, I can tell in people's actions now the what the what you know you can see what sort of place they're in. Yeah. But I feel like sometimes you kind of have to go through that sort of stuff to see it and to have that compassion um and i think one of the most important indicators for me is the language people use yeah um for, for me language is a massive indicator for for the way someone's feeling on the inside um especially when you're just having you know a normal conversation there are certain flags that pop up and but at the end of the day it's, it's going to be the people that know you best that, that can tell you know when you're slightly off whether whether that's about your mood, um, the way you're talking, the way you're acting. I mean, because that's what happens, you know, P people don't, don't act the same, you know, it's impossible. You, you can put on a brave face, but you can't, you can't keep it a hundred percent hidden. Yeah. No, can you give us an example of the language that people use? I mean, I mean, so I actually have, a, I actually have a friend, obviously I'm not going to name a name, um, but you, he, he acts out a lot. Um, and it's a sort of uh, nihilistic. Um, you, you can see, it kind of comes from you know nothing really matters. Um, you know, he, he he feels like whatever he does isn't really going to have a consequence that's going to hurt him, and and you can kind of see the way that he behaves is because he's hurting on the inside. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and they're the type of people that you need to kind of keep an eye on and try and help out and try and, you know, relate to in a sense. Because I, I think a lot of us that do, you know, kind of pro get on top of this stuff do have a, a responsibility to helping others. Um, you know, as, as we were saying before the podcast, you know, it, it can be a bit, of, a bit of a healing experience to help others go through the things that you're going through. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I think to get to get to the point that you're absolutely willing to come onto a podcast and talk about your story, one, I think that's an amazing sign for you and yeah. that you're in that headspace to be able yeah. to do that and take these things head on. And two, I don't think any of us probably realise how many people you will help by them hearing yeah. that story as well. And, yeah. and just the, 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 to, the last thing... Back back to what we're talking about with yourself and Nick Kyrgios, the big one that really hit me was I have been around a lot of mental health with whether it's people I work with, whether it's players, whether it's you know it was quite new to me probably five or six years ago. Yeah, Robin Williams, who like yeah. probably yeah. the funniest man in the world. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like, in, like played the this massive character, you know, took his own life because of his internal struggles that he was having. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and I think it's just for everyone listening, just asking if someone's all right. You know, just, yeah. you know, those sort of simple words, realizing everyone is, has got their own internal battles going on. And just yeah. be kind, just be kind to people because you never quite know the impact that, that it can have. Yeah. I mean, I mean, you know, that, that's the thing, isn't it? Is, is that sometimes it's the people you least expect, but, but maybe that's because people forget to ask the people they least expect because they think, you know this facade and and the way they are they think oh there's no chance um but i mean that for me personally i mean I, i've spoken to my coach dave dave samuel you know at length about this and uh and i was i was a little bit um cocky when i was a junior and stuff and 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 you know and, and he said but if you'd have you know never experienced the trials that you've been through you might not be the person you are today yeah um and I appreciate that as well because I'd like to think I'm a pretty understanding and compassionate.
passionate person now because I, I've seen the sorts of things that people go through. Whereas back then, I'd, I'd, to be honest, I didn't really care about anyone but myself. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, t- tennis went down, but but the better person came out of it. So, absolutely. Yeah. I'm gonna, well, that's a great way to finish, Broads. It's great advice to finish. A big thank you on coming coming back onto the podcast. I'm sure everyone will take lots and lots from it. So, yeah, good luck. Good luck in the next few weeks. Um, and, yeah, keep talking to people, mate. Keep, keep getting it out there and you take care awesome. of yourself. Thanks, Kenna. A big shout-out to Liam for that. Uh, um, fascinating insights into into the mind of, of many tennis players and for Liam to share his story so hope you guys really took a lot from that um, if you have listened to all three of our podcasts this week then a big thank you and please reach out we love to get your feedback we love to understand what is working for you guys what's worth doing what's not worth doing as I've said numerous times our only motivation here is to educate, energize, and entertain. You know, that's that's it. That's why we're running these podcasts. So we really are open. It's your podcast. You guys are listening to that. And, and we're open to know the good, the bad, the ugly, what you maybe want next. And, and we'll keep trying to provide that for you. Um, back to the Mental Health Awareness Week. Tomorrow, we have Coach Joe Dixon. Um, he, he shares... An incredibly intense story that he's had and it's a one that is going to touch a lot of people's hearts and I would really urge you to, to listen in so enjoy that keep supporting us keep getting the podcast out there and if there's anything that we can do to help then please reach out and my last thing to say if anyone is listening to these podcasts and is experiencing internal mental health difficulties yourself then please reach out reach out to us reach out to a friend you know these it's become very very clear to me over the last few years talking to people and getting people good people in your team around you makes a big big difference so you two you guys take care of yourselves and we'll be back tomorrow with joe dixon until then i'm dan kiernan my co-host is john mcgann and we are control the controllables